This is the Sooner Schooner Show on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Coming up, we'll take a look ahead at OU's matchup with Southern Methodist. We'll talk all about their 6-1-2-19 right-handed quarterback, Preston Stone. I'll also give you another player to watch from SMU that can only be described as a freak, or as I like to call him, a grown-ass man. We'll get Brett Venable's thoughts on the transfer portal and how his philosophy has changed and whether or not Colorado is making an impact on that. We'll talk about the game day atmosphere coming up this Saturday and how you can make an impact. So obviously a lot to get into, but let's pause for a second because I want to ask you to do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating, write a written review, then take a screenshot of both those things, send it into Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and Pete will send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie. Uh, The written review gives us a critique, lets us know what kind of content you want, and the five-star rating... The five-star rating helps us elevate our content um, all over different platforms. So please uh, help us out with that. Oklahoma Southern Methodist this week ought to be one hell of a game. And the first thing about this game is you have to realize is that OU is going to be challenged a lot more than they were against Arkansas State. Now, I'll tell you straight up, um, I do a college football stock report every Monday for uh, 97.1 The Sports Animal. Although this week was on Tuesday because <laughs> we took the day off, which we earned it. We we very well earned it being as uh, short-staffed as we are. We earned that day off anyway. Um, and on my college football stock report, I went ahead and said you should buy OU because right now the stock price is low. The stock price is very low for OU. And now why would you say that? They just come out, They just came off a 73 to nothing win. Well, OU is not going to have an opportunity to have a marquee win until the fifth week of the season. Okay, that that is against Texas. And whether you destroy Arkansas State, if you destroy SMU this next week, or destroy Tulsa the week after that, or Cincinnati, it still leaves some questions out there. We're still wondering who exactly Oklahoma is, and even if they're good, how good. So if Oklahoma was a stock, you would get a reasonable price this week, a reasonable price the next three weeks after that. But if they beat Texas, then you're not going to be able to afford it because that should go sky high. Of course, if Texas loses pretty convincingly to Alabama, it's not going to help OU stock rise as much, but still it'll become an expensive stock. So for the next four weeks, you should be able to buy as much Oklahoma stock as you want before being able to turn around and sell it with a sell it for a hell of a profit. And if you want more on that, go to 97.1, the sports animal. But being as maybe shocked as we were about the physicality that OU played with on defense and the ability they were to run the ball, this week against Southern Methodist, they ought to at least face some adversity. And that's the one thing that, again, talk about keeping that stock price low, we don't know how OU is going to respond if SMU is able to get up on them by a couple of scores or SMU is able to keep the offense from getting out of the end zone, if if OU gives up some third and longs like they had in the past, do they shrug it off and go back to playing the way that they did against A-State or do do they revert back to what we saw them do last year? I mean, that's that's a huge question. And the quarterback, one of the players you've got to watch in this game, 
because I always like to give you two, is Preston Stone. Now, he's a 6'1", 219-pound quarterback. He is a redshirt sophomore. Big kid. Right-handed, strong freaking arm. And he showed it off this past week when he had a 67-yard touchdown pass against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I know it was Louisiana Tech, but arm strength does not depend on who you play. Arm strength just depends on what kind of cannon you have and also whether or not you're getting protection and you can use it. And SMU, with a very uh, experienced offensive line, was able to keep his shirt pretty clean all day. Uh, Kid did throw for, what, 248 yards, three touchdowns. But that 67-yarder that he threw wasn't just showing off arm strength. He had pinpoint accuracy on that. He could drop it in there. And this kind of scares me going into this game. Now, am I panicked? Am I panicked the way I would be if OU was facing a guy like Malik Murphy from Texas? No. Now, I'm not even as as panicked as I would about Quinn Ewers, although I think this guy might actually have a better arm than Quinn than Quinn Ewers. Malik Murphy would mur- would would mur- would worry me. Quinn Ewers really does not worry me. But let's get back to the point at hand, which is which is Southern Methodist. This guy is going to test OU's defensive backs. There's not any question about that. And this is when it becomes imperative for that defensive line, for your Trace Fords, for your Ethan Downs, for your Bothroids, these guys have got to beat their man. They have got to have that quick first step. They've got to whip their man up front, and they got to put pressure on this guy because he didn't face any pressure last week. They've got to put him in position where he is making bad decisions. OU has to set the tone this week the exact same way they did against Arkansas State. Can they do that two weeks in a row? Okay, again, questions we don't have answers to. Somehow Brent Venables is going to have to convince OU to have a chip on their shoulder or that they can build off what they did and they believe that they're really good. I don't know where OU is in that. None of us do. And after week one, one of two things can happen. You can either start to believe the BS, which everyone will tell you how good you are or how bad you are, or two, you can create a crisis like Brent Venables should and convince OU that they've got to go. I mean, you've got to convince them they have to set the tone early. And as far as this quarterback goes, yeah, I do believe that he is legit. And Britt Venables says right here that, yeah, he's got some experience with Preston Stone. Quarterback Preston Stone or somebody have a little bit of familiarity. Uh, had recruited him when uh, when I was at Clemson. Really um, excellent player, can run and Uh, Throws with great accuracy. The other guy that you have to watch this week. Now, okay, (laughs) this guy, this guy can only be described as a freak because he ended up on Bruce Feldman's freak list, or as I like to call him, he is a grown ass man. His name is Elijah Chapman. He didn't do anything last week. All he did last week was get one tackle. Of course, he's a defensive lineman, and his his big deal is to eat up blocks so the linebackers can make play. And actually, the guy from SMU that had the most tackles last week was a safety. And and, and again, I got to see how that how that they're you know they're playing this guy. Are they playing him more as a safety or as a linebacker? Guy had five solo tackles and a couple of tackles for loss. Uh, there's another defensive lineman that's actually pretty good who had a a pick six. But Elijah Chapman, the reason I tell you to watch him on Saturday is because he's 6'1", 270 pounds. It doesn't sound overwhelming, but the guy bench presses 505 pounds. 
how that actually translates to you, you know, eating up blocks, whipping your man, what remains to be seen with Oklahoma. But I'll watch that guy. You tell me your dude bench presses 505 pounds. Yeah, I'm all over that. I will watch that guy all day long, and you can bet I'll be circling him more than a few times throughout that game just to see how he does against OU's offensive line. Still give the edge to OU's offensive line, but I always love it when you get the opportunity to play against freaks. With Oklahoma and the, well, with Oklahoma and the SEC on the horizon, with Oklahoma moving the champions walk down Lindsay, you've got a lot of questions, you've got a lot of game day atmosphere that everybody's talking about. The university, I saw Kerry tweet out that the university certainly wants Lindsay to be open. They want it to work. They want you to participate. But the, the the main thing with a game day atmosphere is, is with all the recruits that OU is bringing in, that is a huge impression on them. And this, la- this last weekend, I saw a lot of big games with a lot of empty seats, a lot of opening games where, God, if you're a kid, you're playing there. You just got to wonder, does anyone care? Probably the the biggest one, and I know I know this is a really weird comparison to bring up was Rutgers, because nobody in Jersey cares. Now look, a scholarship's a scholarship, but who wants to go to play at Rutgers when there's always empty seats? Who wants to go play at Duke? Duke beats Clemson this past week, and if you looked up at the at the stands, there were empty seats. Duke's a good football team. Those dude, those cats play hard. They play really physical. They got a legitimate quarterback. They're fun to watch, but because it's a basketball school, you're still going to have more people interested in that than they are football. OU, one of the premier football schools in the country. We had no problem getting people out on Saturday. Very good crowd, especially considering the heat, of course, as the game wore on. Everybody either headed back to their car to tailgate or they headed down to Campus Corner to O'Connell's or Louie's or one of the other fine establishments that's over there. But Britt Venables does say here that game day atmosphere does play a big part, not only in the team's success right now, but the success that they will have in the future. Well, having a good game day atmosphere makes a big impression. You know, uh, most young men want to, they want to play in in uh, an intense, passionate environment, and they're paying attention to everything. So... Uh, once we got into the stadium, it was fantastic. There's a, a good group of people uh, that are always excited and eager to, to welcome us. And uh, you know, But it, everything does matter. Those recruits travel around the country. We're not recruiting against, you know, a, a mid, uh, mid-America conference. You know, we're recruiting against the best of the best. And so, uh, I th- you know, that's always a perspective that a recruit's going to bring to the table. Back to the game at hand, OU was able to get off the field quite a bit during the Arkansas State game. Um, get, look, give it up to them for putting Arkansas State in third and long situations and not allowing them to convert in those third and long situations. And Arkansas State, not a very good football team, didn't have a success doing really anything this past Saturday. SMU, on the other hand, is going to run up tempo. Of course, OU ran very up-tempo. When you talk about, this is one thing I always talk about is how your offense can help your defense. And I, my philosophy is the more physical your offense can be, the better off your defense is going to be. Well, this week, considering how important Jeff Levy considers tempo, and OU's tempo was, you know, was almost full throttle on Saturday, 
And the other thing about OU's Temple that was great, I want to point this out. I know I'm a little all over the place, but the other thing that I want to point out is, is I thought OU did a great job of not only running up tempo and being a very fast-paced offense at first, but when they needed to slow things down, they were able to accomplish that as well. So OU got done a couple of things offensively that they needed to get done against Arkansas State. And because they run up tempo and because OU's defense is going to see that, they should be well prepared for what Southern Methodist brings on Saturday. Brent, the defense played 51 snaps on Saturday. The offense played 90. Maybe just how important was that in terms of establishing that foundation of complementary football? And how important is that going into Saturday against an SMU team that plays really, really fast? Yeah, I mean, that's what's what you want. Uh, offense wants to stay on the field. Defense wants to get off the field. And, uh, I mean, it's always important. And all the stats are going to align with the things that you desire when that's the case. So, you know, the challenge is going to be uh, greater this week uh, for obvious reasons. And, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a team that's probably got more depth and they certainly got more experience. Arkansas State was a very young team. This is a team that, as I said, I think it's maybe 15 seniors uh, starting between the offense and the defense. That's a bunch of seniors. And, uh, uh, you know, senior teams play with maturity. Uh, usually they play with um, a different level of confidence. You know, their fundamentals are usually better. The moments aren't too big. So, um, but we got a, a good group of seniors as well. And um, my expectation is we continue to uh, push and strive and hopefully execute to where we're continue to complement one another. You know, for us to have the kind of season uh, that we desire, that's it's going to take that. At this point, you're just kind of hoping that OU is able to get off the field as quickly as possible and the offense is able to stay on the field as much as possible just to give the defense a bit of a rest in this game and not have a, you know, just not have a situation where you're having to outscore SMU. Now, we saw that from Colorado this past week, and I know everybody wants to buy the Colorado stock. I'm telling you right now, if you've got the Colorado stock, sell. Sell, sell, sell that Colorado stock because it's never going to be worth more than it is now. Okay, it might be worth more in a couple of weeks when they're 3-0, and if they beat Nebraska, if they beat Colorado State. But they're only two-and-a-half-point favorite to Nebraska. So... You want to sell that Colorado stock because eventually they're going to lose to Utah, Oregon, and USC. They're going to lose those three games. And at that point, once they do lose those three games, then you go buy the stock because now you're playing it for the for the long haul anyway. Um, when it does come to Colorado, okay, they gave up 42 points. You give up 42 points, you could easily lose a game. You don't want to be in that situation if you're if you're OU. Of course, the other thing when we talk about Colorado, we've got to bring up the transfer portal. And Brent Venables was asked on Tuesday how his philosophy about the portal has changed over the past few seasons and just being a head coach. can enhance a position when you have sudden departures, whether that's through the uh, that, that leave on their own or that maybe um, you've got a bunch of guys at one position graduating or that declare early for the draft. Uh, it allows you to, um, or you feel like it, you might, you don't have as many questions answered. Maybe you can bring in a guy that, that is more of a safety valve, uh, if you will. But the biggest, I think the biggest impact is 
you know, what we know is where somebody can come at a position of need and make it better immediately. Trial and error is a really good way to put it because I think with the portal, you've got to, you've got to do a very good job of scouting. You've got to remember these kids are leaving for a reason, but you've got to do a very good job of scouting. And if you are, if you're going to take Deion Sanders' philosophy, if you're going to kick kids out and then go into the portal and find more experienced kids, the obvious thing there is is that you want to replace them with with better players. And kind of what I'm starting to think is going to happen is eventually we're going to get to a situation where if we're not already there now, you're going to see more college programs run like NFL franchises, meaning that you're going to have a personnel guy for high school recruits, a personnel guy for transfer portal guys, and then you're going to have like a, a GM-type figure work with the coach, and they're going to be the ones that do all the all the the signing and recruiting of players. They'll be the ones to decide who plays and who doesn't. The position coach may have a little bit of say, but won't have near as much say, and you may see a situation where recruiting changes drastically, where you're not seeing coaches out on the road so much as as much as you're seeing players come in to these facilities, get the tours, and then you're more selling them like they're professional athletes than they are college athletes. It might not quite get there, but it sort of feels like that's the minimum, the bare minimum of of where we're heading. Um, talked a little bit earlier about the defensive line and a couple, few of the players that that play for SMU's defensive line. Who was coached by former OU player and coach Calvin Thibodeau? And, of course, that came up in Tuesday's press conference, uh, which can get very awkward. And here's Brent Vittable's response to uh, the working with Calvin Thibodeau, letting Calvin Thibodeau go, and, you know, obviously the respect that he has for him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I was just upfront and honest. Uh, love Calvin and uh, appreciate everything he did. Uh, here's a Sooner, he's always a Sooner, great Sooner. Uh, I let him know uh, immediately that uh, I'm certainly would consider, but I've, I've got a, um, uh, you know, I've offered the job, you know, to, uh, to someone else, and I'm going to give him an opportunity to take it uh, before I, you know, move forward. What is it about him that you really appreciated from when he played for you and also played for you and also just your interaction? Yeah, he was just always ready. He had a, you know, he valued his role. Uh, he was always ready, a great teammate, practiced hard, um, made plays within the system, smart guy. Uh, just, you know, enjoy the coach. Yeah, I hate those questions because I never quite know what exactly you're supposed to when – you, when you fire someone, what exactly are you supposed to say about them? Because you can't – you fired them for a reason. As somebody who's been fired, you get fired for a reason. And you know darn good and well most of the time why you get let go. Other times, yeah, it can come completely out of the blue and surprise you, and you can talk to people all day long, and you don't ever get a real good answer as to why that particular company or boss or whoever – felt like they needed to move on from you. But I'm pretty sure Calvin Thibodeau has a pretty good idea of why Brent Venables moved on to him, moved on from him. And look, I don't care what anyone says. When someone lets you go, that relationship is never the same. You can talk all you want in the public about how you have a good relationship 
But once somebody lets you go, that sticks in the back of your mind. You never quite trust that person again, nor should you ever trust that person again. Even if they rehire you, you always have to be on guard because, hey, they let you go. So Calvin Thibodeau, Brent Venable's relationship, I, I wish one time a coach would be honest about that. I understand he can't, but he kind of answered that the only way that he could And it's a very awkward question. It's a question sometimes I'm not even really sure you should ask because I don't know what, if you're writing a story about it, I don't know what you're hoping to get out of it. I don't know what what you're hoping, what quote is going to come your way to give you to shed any more light on that situation than what what will. The two parties involved, the firer and the firee, aren't going to give you anything. You got to go work your sources and find the people who are around there that can give you a little bit more honest assessment about what happened. And uh, finally, okay, <laughs> finally, uh, something that I wanted to get to on this and say, uh, certainly before we wrap things up, one thing that happened on Saturday, you may have had a problem with this, I didn't have a problem with this, is with about 12 minutes left to go in the first quarter, OU got a personal foul uh, for hitting Arkansas State's quarterback, out of bounds. Uh, I thought it was a great hit. Oh, he gets dinged for a personal foul. It's 15 yards. I had no problem with that whatsoever because you're sitting tone and you can get away with it at that point in the game when you're taking on somebody like Arkansas State. Now, against Texas, uh, philosophically, it might not be a bad idea to knock the quarterback around a little late to get him thinking, to get him a little bit jumpy. But on a team like that with so much talent, who can hurt you a lot more when you give them an extra 15 yards, normally you don't want to do something like that. But you are trying to set the tone that you are an aggressive, more physical defense. And if you have to take some of those personal fouls every once in a while to set the tone, a la the way the Raiders did back in the 70s, I'm all for it because that's the way you win football games is being the more physically aggressive team. OU was definitely that... This past week, let's see if they can do it against Southern Methodist. That wraps up today's show. I'm Eric G. We'll be back next week where we'll be taking a look ahead to the upcoming game with Tulsa. And until then, snooch to the freaking nooch.